Hello, welcome to the ABM Done Right podcast. I'm your host, Eric Gruber, CEO of Personal ABM. Today, we are going to discuss how we can be increasing ARR, GRR, and NRR with revenue enablement and ABM. And we're going to have this conversation because in many cases, ABM is being used to fix the pipeline. When ABM should impact revenue growth, it should drive stage progression. It should protect and expand existing accounts. And we should be getting a higher ACV. But in most cases, ABM does not have the impact that it should on revenue. Today, I invited Steve Richard, SVP of Revenue Enablement and MediaFly, to join me in this conversation to share how we can have a greater impact on revenue and how we can enable our teams to drive greater profitable growth. Steve, thank you for joining me. Eric, thank you. Appreciate it. It's funny. I hear those acronyms. Uh... You know, gross revenue retention, net revenue retention, uh, you know, ABM, account-based marketing. Everyone knows that one if they're listening to this. But it's just it's just funny that the, this acronym soup and what I think it kind of boils down to is like right now uh, with cost of sale as high as it is, if you can protect and grow an existing customer, it's always going to be better for your business than if you're going to go out there and spend a whole bunch of money for customer acquisition costs, CAC, another acronym, to get a new customer. <laughs> and 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 I think you summarized it beautifully. It's like when people think ABM, account-based marketing, they're thinking top of funnel new logos. And the reality is that a much better use of that resource and, and that lever is the existing customer accounts that you already have and making sure we can maximize our revenue from them. So, Yep. And that's a, well, part of the problem is that They'll get their ABM technologies, demand-based, six cents, and they'll put it right to the pipeline without seeing, without even knowing if it's going to get to their revenue numbers or without seeing what is actually going on in the buyer's journey and in the customer life cycle. So they can see what it's going to actually take to get to the revenue goal that leadership once and just as a an example here one of our clients in the facility management space they want an abm for pipeline however if they didn't change their go-to-market motions and interactions they would still not hit their revenue numbers why because the interactions that the teams were having, and there was even KPIs and compensation around first meetings, and those meetings were with managers, facility managers, where you are only going to get one or two sites versus a whole region, versus getting a national pilot, where I can get that greater growth. I've seen companies, or Christina, my partner, has talked to CMOs who 
we're using ABM and we're a case study for six cents. And they would win with accounts less than $75,000. $75,000 and above, they would consistently lose to legacy platforms like Salesforce, which to me, it shows me that they're not having the right interactions. They're not teaching for differentiation. So just by having a more targeted ABM program, or which I usually call a targeted demand gen, because that's what it is if it's just for the pipeline, it's not going to help them overcome those challenges. Yeah. I've seen yeah. clients build pipelines with ABM and demand base, but then accounts would go dark, especially when sales got engaged. Or, or, or I see where people get close, they close some smaller deals from it, but they're really deals that are marginal, borderline for even the types of customers that they want in the first place. And, and as a result, later on, they're, they're not making very good customers. And sometimes they might churn two years, three years down the road. So yeah, no, I completely agree with you. The, it does kind of come back to our mindset of SaaS, of, uh, I shouldn't just say SaaS, but our mindset of doing a land grab is not working in this environment. It does not work in this environment. You have to um, you know, take an approach where you're being thoughtful about the accounts that make great customers that you can grow over time and that will consistently renew. Those are the pillars of the business. Those are the ones that generate referrals. Those are the ones that um, also uh, when, they're, when the people leave and go to new companies, because people change jobs all the time, they take you with them to the new company. So yeah, completely agreed that a lot of times ABM is really missed used you know it's not used in the best and highest use i don't think yep so what should we be looking at if we want to enable teams to drive ar which is the customer acquisition retention the the gr and expansion which is your nr so what do we need to look at to see where we need to change interactions experiences and emotions because we can't enable teams to drive that revenue growth if we aren't identifying the red in the business so yeah, yeah. what should we be looking at yeah look i'd say the first thing is is like you know we have the way that we organize our customer success teams if they have an account management function or an account executive function that gets involved in the upsells and the cross sells and also the way we organize our revenue enablement function for you know the training and the people side of it, and then revenue operations or sales operations, also customer success operations for the systems, the technology, the analytics, the measurement, all that. And it's fundamentally not aligned with the customer. I mean, the customer doesn't think like that. The customer is like thinking in terms of like, are you helping me solve problems in this part of the business? Great. Do I trust you? Do I, do you get things done when you say you're going to get them done? You know, how was my implementation? How was my rollout? How, how are you doing helping me drive user adoption and making sure that we're maximizing this? How are you, um, this is one a lot of people don't think about, how are you helping me understand the value you're creating for the business? So my CFO cares, which is a value realization function done by value engineers, uh, sometimes on the front end for the sale, but on the customer success side. But the whole point of all that, Eric, is to say that like the first thing you got to do is you have to orient around the customers you care about so that your sales operations or revenue operations people 
uh, are organizing and designing the systems in such a way that everyone on your side is looking at the customer view. You got to be looking at it as a customer view. That's that's the whole point. It's not an individual opportunity view. It's not my siloed view of what I care about. And the customer view is, of course, going to be the you know the the recurring revenue. But it's going to be if it's healthy, we're going to see that that NRR as well if we're dealing with the right types of accounts because we frankly we probably shouldn't have sold to the company in the first place if they don't have the potential of expanding depending on your model it just depends on the model and how people function but but the the first thing i'd say is you got to get your all your systems so they're geared up in the same way so for example content management you think about you know uh using content through the buyer's journey we don't really talk a lot about using content through the customer journey which i would actually argue is more important because otherwise you're going to get a churn customer you know uh if there is a potential to expand to another business unit or another another group well, guess what? We got to go dust off all that content we used before and get it back out there to them again and do it in such a way that's really interactive and dynamic, as an example. So that's one. Uh, another big one is is uh, is conversation intelligence and call recording and what's going on with that. We're you know we're having all these conversations with our customers all the time, and those things are, you know not just treasure troves for information for how we can sell them more, but it's also we've got to share that information around our own company because if that you know if 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 we need to get a sales engineer involved or if we have to get a, a someone from our product team involved for a particular requirement because they're not getting usage because they're missing this requirement like we we got to share that snippet of that call with them so they can hear the voice of the customer and and uh, here we go again with you know enablement and operations working together so now the systems are working to help us really look at the customer view the account based view uh, you know, there was the old term that was going to ABX, account-based everything, um, but it, not just marketing, but account-based everything that happens around that account has to be an account-based view because that's how the customer thinks of their own business, right? That's that's how they make those decisions around their own business. And there's just, there's so many more like that. I, I, talk, I mentioned the value engineering tools and those kinds of things and value realization is another one. Or are we oriented around a metric that, that, it actually aligns with something that makes the customer happy. There's another one too. You know, uh, we talked about NRR and GRR, but guess where that comes from? Customer satisfaction scores, and and those kinds of things, and and uh, 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 NPS, Net Promoter Score. So we should probably be looking at that in our account base view as well. That's how you can ultimately, if look, if if the customer is at the center and you're doing the best and you're doing right by the customer, not just to. They say jump, you say how high, but to serve them to achieve their goals. And if you design all of your systems and you organize revenue operations and value engineering and revenue enablement, all of that around the customer, boy, you're going to be in a whole lot better spot. You're going to increase your chances and your probability to really optimize that, you know, the the those 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 letters, those ARR, GRR, NR. Yep. And that I type because a lot of times it's about campaigns. And I usually tell our clients, it's not about that campaign. It's about each touch point. It's about each time that you have a chance to create a moment with your future and existing customers. It is about each interaction across the buyer's journey and the customer lifecycle. So our sales and marketing processes, KPIs, aligned with the company revenue goals, the executive strategy, and 
though your accounts that you want to win for Titan Expand. It's looking at the current pipeline. Where do the challenges lie? Do we have that ICP right? What's keeping tier one accounts from entering the pipeline? So what's yep. going on there? Because right. I want to get to those numbers. As you said, we want to have the right accounts, the accounts that we can expand, the ones that we can have the greatest growth. So what's happening in the pipeline? Why aren't we bringing those accounts in? How are we, how is the team attracting status quo accounts that can bring the highest deal size? A lot of times companies will focus on in-market accounts showing intent data, but yep. those are predefined needs. They're already looking, which automatically limits deal sizes. And I'm not saying not to go there because you, you need that short-term funnel, but if I'm really going to have an impact on AR, GR, and NR, I need that short-term and the long-term. So how do we get them working? How is sales and marketing relevant across all channels, including LinkedIn? If you look at most profiles of sales teams, they are resumes. They talk about their closes. But... Is a customer wanting to be closed or do they want a relationship? They want to well, see well, Eric, Eric, you said something interesting before about the campaigns. Like, you know, we think in terms of our quote campaigns, our ABM campaigns. And that's not how the, do you think the customer wakes up in the morning and goes, hmm, I wonder uh, what campaigns I'm going to be added to today? Uh, <laughs> can't wait to find out, right? I mean, I'm actually kind of curious in your work, Have you know, where have you seen where someone has changed the thinking around that campaign orientation to instead you know, thinking in terms of like, these are the right customers and this is how we're going to orient all of our marketing to those customers to maximize the ARR, GR, NR. Just curious what you see. That's what I we do with our clients that I'm always getting them to shift. Is like, you need your campaigns, but with those, especially those top accounts, you have to take what I, we call a personal one-to-one approach where I'm looking at those individual in their actions across social, email, the live conversation, seeing what we need to change in the first place. That's where I was saying we go look across that buyer's journey. We're looking, are the teams getting the right intelligence so we can align with strategic needs and tell the prospect story or the customer's story if I want to do retention and expansion versus pain points. Am I aligning with the wants of the organization and where they're seeking to go? Or am I just talking about pain points that make us nice to have? But if it doesn't align with those priorities, then you're not, you're going to be put in the back burner. I'm not going to move things forward. So So what's actually happening now? It's something to just build on what you're saying is uh, what I find is when you're, if you're selling to big companies, you know, and I'll even make that, I'll define it as like companies with, you're going to be shocked at how small 500 or more employees. Think about that for a minute. Have you ever been in a room with 500 people? You know, I've spoken at conferences where I've spoken to 500 or a thousand people. Like it's a lot of freaking people. It sort of mind boggles you. And by the way, that's not considered a very big company. That's considered kind of a midsize, you know, big enterprise is considered a 10,000 employees plus. Do you think those people know what they're what the other people are doing? So we we refer to it as a company. So the reality is that like they're not telling their own success stories 
internally to their colleagues or their peers and other parts of the business. So your point about like telling the stories to, you know, other companies like them, like even better is telling stories to them, like enabling them to tell their own story to other parts of their own business, which will allow you to expand. And that revenue is easy to win. That revenue doesn't cost a lot. But in order to do that, you have to stop thinking in terms of like sales operations, marketing operations, customer success operations. And you have to start thinking as revenue operations and same with enablement. It's not just, you know, sales enablement or customer success enablement. It's revenue enablement. You have to look at those across the whole life cycle of revenue, because again, that's how the customer thinks. That's how you get those things done. Yep. It's like, and then that's why I started looking is how do we need to change the perception of accounts that are indifferent? How can we help these accounts see the impact that your company had on their company? What is that engagement level after the deal was closed? Because in most cases, many customer success teams, and I know I want to talk about this later, they lose the engagement of VPs in the C-suite. So what's happening there that I can't protect and expand? So it's really looking at the individual interactions and seeing what is happening. Where are the revenue leaks? How do we need to change the buyer experience? How do we need to change the customer experience? Because until you change those experiences, you're not going to get the growth that you want. You need to make changes. You can't just have say, oh, I'm going to target these accounts because they're showing intent, they're in our ICP, and we're going to do targeted. Well, that's not ABM. It's about getting those accounts to revenue. And that's where it is really about changing those interactions, which to me is why I say sales enablement is not enough because sales enablement is still too general. It doesn't change the interactions. Why do you see that sales enablement is not enough? And how do we need revenue enablement and account-based enablement to drive AR, GR, and NR? Yeah, because 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 if we focus all of our energy and effort on sales, we're going to get land grab. You know, um, it's interesting actually. I've been focusing more of my efforts internally at the direction of our of our CEO. I've been focusing more of our efforts, enablement efforts internally on customer success. And it, if you think about it for a second, it makes a lot more sense. Okay, if if I can enable a salesperson to and help them to close a deal. Uh, through my enablement, and they're able to close a deal, and it's you know it's it's aligned with they get paid on year one revenue, right? Um, sure, that's a good thing. We need that. We need to have new logos coming in the door. If I could take that same amount of my enablement calories and I could put it towards a customer success team that can either do a customer save or an expansion, then the likelihood of that revenue coming in year two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, so it just becomes a nice long tail, is much higher, much higher, much, much higher. Like after year one, a lot of customers churn. This is just the math of how things work. Hopefully that doesn't happen for a lot of businesses. For a lot of businesses, that's just the, the calculus of how, how things go. Um, but if if you're in a, an environment where you could focus your enablement on recurring revenue, super sticky customer relationships, you're, oh, it's just a better business decision than if you're focusing more on sales. So the first thing is I would recommend enabling people like stop for a second and say, wait a minute, what have I been doing with my CS team lately? 
what does that look like? And, and the broader customer experience team, service, support, et cetera. Let's get them in the game too. Make sure we're aligned on that and get some common frameworks that are followed by sales, by customer success, by service support, account managers. Really, everybody is customer facing, sales engineers or solutions consultants, put them in the mix. Uh, value engineers, I mentioned before, that create business cases and ROI calculators, those things. We got to get those people aligned on a common framework. Once you do that, then we're customer centric. So I, th I think that's the biggest thing is, is, is enablement calories. Historically, we've always talked about a sales enablement. It is, it is very much a revenue enablement mindset these days because that's what the business needs. And what should revenue enablement look like? So once you have those systems in place, you're getting them more centric. What should a revenue enablement look like? Yeah, first of all, um, I, I, I'd say I'm going to pick stuff that's less obvious. Like the obvious ones are onboarding. The obvious ones are um, you know, certifications and ongoing training and coaching and those kinds of things. Those are the obvious ones. People think of enablement, they think of those things. I'm going to go with the less obvious ones. You know, Sales operations might uh, provision accounts but they never really teach people how all the different accounts that they have for all their different tools fit together and work together and how they're supposed to leverage those things and how they're supposed to get those into their day in and day out workflow. You know, so I'd say that's a big one right now is making sure that, uh, you know, all the different go to market customer facing reps know how to do those things. That's a big one that, that we're not seeing. I'd say another big one is, is like, you got to have consistent alignment meetings with the first level managers over those functions to understand their priorities. Um, you know, I, 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 I have my prioritization document and I don't use different ones. I see when people try to have these things, these conversations in Slack or over email and it, it, they're, they're always, it's a, it's like a, the reality is it's a moving target. The priorities change. So, so I, earlier in the year, our priority for, for training was discovery, discovery, discovery. And we hit discovery pretty hard. And then, you know, a, a month or two ago, big hard pivot where it's like, no, no, no. Like we're finding that our, our customer success organization needs to be much better at knowing the depths, the 201 level intricacies of our products, especially like the user configurations and admin settings and all that kind of stuff. We need to really go deep, geek level deep on that and also teach them how to find resources around that. So what do we do? We, we do that, but I, I put it on one document so that I have a history of it. So I can go, Hey, look, like, you know, last month, two months ago, like these are the things that you told me are the biggest priorities. And now you said these, these other things that are over right here and they can see that progression over time and those those changes over time. So it's all in one place and be, then being able to actually measure the effectiveness. And one great way to measure the effectiveness is are they measuring, are they using the tools and the technologies that they've been provided? So at our company, MediaFly, we're a sales technology company. We're a, a, I really should say a go-to-market technology company now revenue enablement uh, technology company. So we're measuring like the usage of, uh, are we using our own content management capability, building workspaces out, sharing content, tracking all that effectively? Are we using our conversation intelligence with call recording to share snippets with customers or to align internally? You know, are, are we generating business value assessments to show a business case for our, a customer or a prospect? Are, are we using that? Are we... Um, inspecting and looking at our pipelines and our forecasting the right way with that solution, which is called Intelligence 360. So, so for us, it's you know, uh, you know, making sure that we're optimizing drinking our own champagne, 
which is a, a common problem that a lot of companies have. They, the cobbler's kids have no shoes. So that, that's been my big focus internally is get, making sure that all of that is being done right and that we're measuring it. And then how do we ultimately measure it? You know, the letters you mentioned before, ARR, you know, GRR, NRR, that's where the proof's in the pudding. But it's fun because you'll, you'll see these success stories that come in where, you know, we have a customer that pretty happy, consistently renews, you know, nothing to see here, but because of the enablement session of helping people prioritize which accounts are working and saying, Hey, how do we pull in the right resources? And how do we identify additional buying centers? We can expand that thing. And we push the we push the you know the the ball forward on expanding, and then they close a big expansion deal for 150 grand, and everyone's patting each other on the back. Like that's the sort of stuff you'd love to see because it's the ultimate fruition of of having a revenue enablement function that's set up the right way. Yep. And then I go even a step further with account based enablement, which many organizations do not do. And this is where you're providing content, messaging, and insights to overcome the struggling moments that sit at the center of every enterprise deal. Those moments that need to be listened to, understood, reframed, catered to, solved. We need that where we provide relevant messages, content, stories, insights, and skills to enable sellers and your customer success teams in the flow of work for specific accounts where we need to help them respond with speed and precision, no matter what obstacles or opportunities come their way, and build situational fluency by providing contextual messages, relevant conversation skills, and content for the selling conversation, as well as the internal conversations that need to happen. Because in many cases, we're finding that teams are losing that internal conversation. That's where the churn is happening. That's when accounts are getting stuck and they're losing it on the sales side for acquisition. It's the internal conversations that they're not winning. And that to me is where you come in with the account-based enablement to get that growth, where you're working with sales, marketing, customer success teams to win, to protect, and expand accounts that make the biggest difference or the have the biggest impact on your business. So so and it's interesting you bring that up. I I've I've dabbled in that now, Eric, but you know, truth be told, I I haven't gotten there yet with my enablement effort. Uh, I'm all, there's also I, there's only one of us here, it's me, but still it's something that I have to do more of and do a better job of. So I think you're exactly right. Like the enablement of the message and the resources and the content, but doing it specifically on an account basis. Um, actually, I'll give you one real quick story of one that I did recently that might resonate with people. And it, it's it's not tied to marketing so much, but it's it's definitely tied to you know enablement to customer success. Um, we have a customer that uses uh, Zoom meetings, and they were using a configuration where they leveraged the recording of the Zoom meeting, and that requires some admin settings within Zoom meetings to be different. Um, we didn't know this at the time, but they've they've said that hey, so, some of our reps uh, don't have their calls recorded. We don't really know why. So I dug in there and, and kind of figured out and was able to provide this asset from um, my, my business, which was called Exec Vision, that I sold to Mediafly, that uh, in, it, it looks like it's going to be a game changer instead of it, because they just didn't change this setting. Their admin for Zoom meetings didn't change this one setting. So that's a, that is an enablement play and an account-based 
you know, and then I took that and brought it off out to other um, customer success managers for other accounts that have the same kind of configuration. Like that's the kind of, you know, way that I, I have to think more about uh, account-based enablement and more about doing those kinds of things and uh, taking that further to stories and, and then taking that further to the, you know, the ultimate, uh, you know, messages and, and helping them get the, you know, the messages delivered to that customer the right way. So, yeah, I yep. think I think it's well said. I think that's the the future here is account-based enablement, and I have to do more with that. And that includes even account intelligence. A lot of times sales teams will do their own account intelligence. I usually say it doesn't go deep enough, but then it doesn't continue even after the, even after the deal is closed. But it should continue because I should have my fingers on and seeing what's going on when they evolve their priorities. Because if you're not aligning with where the companies are shifting their priorities, they're going to find a vendor that will shift, that will adjust to where they're looking to go and play that role instead of just staying that static and here's the activities we've completed. And the, and that's why they lose that strategic the VP, the C-suite engagement, because they're not aligned with where the company wants to go. They're not showing how they can partner. So they're not constantly changing. So it's even getting that account intelligence to guide those interactions. Yeah, you know, the one thing I'd say that the companies, if they're not doing it, I think we're doing a really good job of this one, as opposed to the last one, is, is aligning around... Um, the success metrics of the customer and and that that's another place where this needs to start you have to be you have to say what are this customer's success metrics that's something you should identify in the sales process it should be documented and repeated both in internal systems like your crm or a sales enablement tool uh, and also in external systems uh, wherever you're sharing the content which would be a content management asset management sales enablement tool for external facing that that's so important because if if you start with the end in mind and if the end is the customer in, in our case what we see is eric the customer needs to improve their win rate or the customer sometimes they don't need to improve their win rate they say we need to improve the number of products we sell per account if we get right now our products we sell per account um actually funny story from Intuit. it was like when we first started working with them i think they were selling 1.05 products per account and they got it to something like 1.08. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, that doesn't sound very good. It doesn't sound like the needle really moved. And they went, no, we're thrilled because all these other products that we want to sell, everyone knows this for QuickBooks or TurboTax, but all these other products are really highly profitable. And, and we're that's that's our focus and our priority over here. So yeah, having that that you know single or maybe two success metrics for each individual customer and then designing all of your account-based marketing efforts, enablement, uh, revenue operations, all of that around that success metric, that's also going to increase your chances of, of uh, having a great relationship for a long time. Yep. And keeping an eye on, because those success metrics do evolve, just like strategic priorities shift and change. So it's always realigning with those customers. Because that's weird. Alignment, misalignment happens. And that, and then by the way, that's just a quick one on that. You have to have that conversation proactively with the customer. And I, that, that is something we keep talking about again and again and again, 
not just customer success, but everybody, almost every touch point, it's, hey, is this still what you care about? Did, what changed in your business? Uh, who else is involved? Who else deeply cares about this success metric you shared with us that we haven't engaged so far or talked to so far? You got to be doing that again and again and again and again and again. Otherwise, inevitably, business has changed so quick that you find, you know, two months down the road, you're not aligned and you bring up a success metric and they're like, yeah, we don't care about that. Like that's not that we have a new CEO with new priorities and we did a bunch of acquisitions. Now we care about this other stuff. Yep. Now let's talk about the key areas that sellers and customer success teams need help for. One of those challenges is multi-threading. And this is something that is being lost on both sides, the sales side for acquisition, as well as customer success. They're not multi-threading. Or they're having challenges engaging multiple departments. A lot of times they uh, focus in on one department. There was a, there was a client of ours, uh, DigiSuite, in the digital asset management space. They focused on marketing and their inefficiencies. However, their solution would help operations because they need their content in one place. They need to be able to serve customers. So they ha it had an impact on finance. It had an impact across the organization, and they weren't showing that. They weren't getting that engagement. They were, they were actually limiting their deal sizes because they just focused on that one department. So how can we help both sales and customer success teams multi-thread across an organization, across different departments, different divisions, and different ranks? You're, you're, you're going to get a kick out of this. So I, I dealt with this one firsthand because I saw when I got here after the acquisition and I took over this enablement role, I saw that we were not doing a very good job of multi-threading. So I'm going to start with a real simple tactical thing, and then we'll go to more of the you know, big picture that you're talking about. Number one is just giving them the systems and teaching them the workflow to get the contacts into your CRM. It's either a data tool or a LinkedIn navigator, but I also had to work with our RevOps team to quite literally change backend settings and configurations so that like you're allowed to add contacts or move contacts because a lot of times we would have a contact record that would be a perfect you know multi-threading potential for a customer uh and they would be listed at their old company in our salesforce so you know linkedin navigator has a, has a capability where you can just literally move that person from one company to the next in the crm but you have to have it enabled so i had to have it set up and turned on the right way by our RevOps team so that's that's the first thing i know it sounds stupid but believe it or not because if you make it too hard if people have to copy paste or type over names in, into your crm right off the bat you're not going to get multi-threaded you're not going to get multiple opportunity contact roles and that's what you need every opportunity for any customer renewal or expansion or just new logo hunting you want to have um as many of the of the people who are involved in that decision as an opportunity contact role in Salesforce. So period on that one. Um, but the next thing is then, and, and this is where, you know, I think, you know, we need to do a better job, I'll, I'll admit this, of um, then enabling our sellers to go and send an email to those people that they don't know. And this is also our customer success team enabling them to communicate with someone that they don't know 
and communicate information to them and send them content, personalized content that earns them a conversation. It gives them the right. It's basically they earn the right to to request that an executive level person or you know an additional technical buyer buying influence gets involved in that sales process or in that renewal process that isn't involved today. You need to enable people, customer success, account managers, whatever, to know what content to use, know when and how to use it, and know how to deliver the right message to those people. And by the way, that is not automated sequences. Okay, I'm just going to throw that out there because people will say, <laughs> yeah, sure, just pop them in sales loft or outreach, cadences or sequences, just pop them, boom, boom. Next email goes out, emails by persona. No, 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 I'm talking about high touch, highly personalized messages because you're thinking what you're doing here. You're saying, hey, I have a really important sales opportunity or, or a, a really important upsell and I'm trying to get these other people engaged, probably executives, probably people who are more senior so I can multi-thread you better send a damn good communication and it better it better be one-on-one -on -one and handwritten by you or if it's a video, you make it and then it's customized for that particular person and an account-based effort. And then finally is if you had marketing uh, coordinated with customer marketing so that you can you know have that account-based marketing that's also supporting it with air cover so that the people that you're trying to multi-thread in the account are also receiving you know, banner ads on LinkedIn, or maybe they're receiving, maybe they're uh, getting PPC or whatever, whatever it might be, but there's account-based approaches that are being done, or they're being invited to certain field marketing events that are VIP, that kind of thing. That 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 coordination with marketing is something I think we have to do a better job of here at Mediafly. Um, we're working on it, but when you, when you put it all together, now you have, you know, sellers and customer success people, they feel confident, they feel armed and enabled, and they, they, they're willing to go and try to earn meetings and conversations to multi-thread their, their customers or their, their new business opportunities. Yep. And I love how you say it's not, uh, it's not at those cadences without reach and no, it's gotta be personal where, you're speaking to, and you have content for account specific gaps based on insights from the people that you're already talking to, based on your account intelligence. Yep. And then the impacts to those different departments. So you're showing them this is what we've learned. Here's where I also know you're looking to go, but here's how. Here's where the gaps are. Here's how it's going to impact you personally. And this is not only for multi-threading, but this is how you influence those internal conversations when sales and marketing is not part of. And this is what's missing is you don't have that content to bring those departments together where they are understanding their business issues, their gaps, and their impacts, how it impacts them personally. It's that content that is missing because we have thought there's tons of thought leadership, but what about that content that tells the account story? This is why you have issues with multi-threading, issues with influencing internal conversations because you're always going to have those people that are you're hopeful and they want it, they're all excited, but then you have those that have doubt where I need to reframe their thoughts and ideas. 
because otherwise they start sharing their doubts and beside before you know it, the excitement is lost. It's why I got to reframe their thoughts, show them where the opportunities are and how it's impacting them so they can come together and have a conversation that now leads in your direction. The uh, Another challenge I want to go into with you is driving greater stage progression, as I said before, accounts are getting going dark after engagement, and then also getting a larger ACV. Because to me, ABM should lead to one to two times greater uh, ACV with deal sizes. And a lot of times it's still an ABM account. Deal size is the same as as any other account. So how should we be enabling sellers and customer success teams to drive greater progression and get a larger ACV? Yeah, uh, you know, multi-threading is going to get you a larger ACV. Um, doing a really good job of of discovery and understanding the problems they're trying to solve for and how they would try to solve them, and then documenting it. That's a big one that people are missing is the documentation of that. Uh, in within MediaFly, we call that a workspace where you have a shared workspace where people can can uh, you know collaborate throughout the course of the deal with content or those kinds of things. Um, so yeah, no, that's it's uh, you. Your ultimately your ACV is a product of making sure that you're fully understanding the problem and your ability to solve as much of the problem for as many people at that account as possible. Uh, so it's it's a culmination of all the things we've talked about. Yep. And then again, making sure we're teaching for differentiation. And when I say teaching, it is having the prospects or even existing accounts come to their own conclusions and how you are different based on your your stories and how you lead them in the conversation where I am now showing them, well, here's the gaps in the different competitors and how it's going to impact their strategic priority. So now when they start looking or if they're probably already looking and and they start giving price pressures and saying, well, this company is offering this. Now you're able to show, well, here's the impact it's going to have on where you're looking to go. So it's no longer about um, it's no longer about product and service capability um, comparisons and general benefits and trying to see where am I going to get the best price. And that's even with existing accounts because studies show that 82% of B2B buyers or B2B customers are indifferent, disengaged, or actively looking for a vendor. They're always looking for that better price. But if we now get them on, here's what's going to impact your strategic priority, what you're seeking to do then it's automatically going to help you get that deal size because it's no longer comparison. It is now showing them, here's your impact. And that is a different conversation. Awesome. The last thing I want to go into as we're getting towards the end of the conversation is helping customer success teams 
with their protection and expansion selling conversations. I know you, when you talked to Christina, you mentioned that too many customer success teams are focused on account management uh, and managing accounts versus actually being in protection, expansion, summit conversations. You've also talked about challenges where you've seen teams go on to customer calls thinking they'll be able to upsell and cross-sell, and the conversation turns to saving the account for renewal. So what is going on with these interactions that customer success teams are having, and how can we enable better customer experiences after the deal is closed. Yeah, I, I, a big one is the visibility into the, the the customer usage data and having a customer health score. Um, and that's something that you know a lot of companies are have invested in or going to invest in. The category of solutions there is like a churn zero to tango gain site, uh, those those types of providers. So that's that's a big part of it so that you can try to get ahead of the game. And know what's going to go on, but we've, you know, there's definitely going to be examples of where you're going to see, and I see this with clients, uh, uh, you know, they they have healthy customer scores, so customer health looks great, but they still have that, uh, you know, churn risk that just kind of pops up out of nowhere. So um, we need to prepare and practice with our customer success team to kind of take a deep breath, not to panic, and to know how to handle that conversation when it comes up, and then know how to pull together a tiger team, how to pull together other resources in the company to then go about number one, you know, whatever the challenges are that's causing this customer to say we might leave, let's fix that first. And then number two, now that we've done that, the, the thing that's interesting is all the all the um, research shows over years and years that customers that were angry and pissed off that feel like you did a really good job of resolving their issues, those customers end up being the ones that buy more. They're the ones that become your advocates and your and your their their referral sources and everything. So, you know, making making sure you take care of that. And once all those things are resolved, number two, now we go grow the account. Well, yep. It's really seeing what is actually happening, aligning with what is happening and providing that customer success teams with the content, the messaging they need to keep those VPs and C-suite engaged, to go across the organization so they can show the impact so we can expand them. So we can help them also acknowledge the gaps that were filled and acknowledge the impact. Because a lot of times they don't see it. The customer success teams are having a similar conversation as sales, except it's in past tense. Here's what we did for you. Here are your benefits and it's general benefits. So they don't really see the impact that it had on the organization. So then it becomes that price game. And I'm looking, who can give me that better price? And now it's, I'm trying to protect them. But now if I'm focusing on getting them to acknowledge, here's the impact I've had. Here's what we've learned. Now, because you want to go here, here's what we need to change. Here's how we need to evolve. So it becomes that strategy. And we show how we are looking to be a partner. Then you start going into that expansion type of conversation versus trying to protect. So it's changing the interactions that our teams are having based on what we're seeing by looking at the conversations, 
by looking at what is happening. And that's where you were saying we in the earlier on, and I'm going to go back to it, is we need to look across the buyer's journey and across the customer life cycle, making sure that we have that customer at the center and that we're looking at each interaction versus thinking about campaigns. How does the prospect or the customer feel after each time they engage with us? That's where we need to start going. Agreed. Great. Well, awesome. Well, thank you, Eric, for a great conversation on this. No problem. Thank you very much for joining me. I want to encourage our listeners to connect with uh, Steve Richard on LinkedIn. Check out his web, the website, Mediafly. And as I'm going to be talking to Steve after the podcast, I want to do a webinar, so keep with him on enabling sales and customer success teams to drive revenue growth. So look out for that as well. Steve, again, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks a lot, Eric. Take care. Take care.